My name is Peter Kroll. I'm one of the elders of our church. I lead the preaching team among our elders. Have you ever seen someone holding the somewhat famous sign, will work for food? You learn a lot about someone from what they're willing to sell themselves for. There are some enterprising young people in this church who could carry a sign, will fold sister's laundry for five bucks. <laughs> Friends, what would your sign say? What would you sell yourself for? One of the things I love about the people in this church is how much you care about one another and about the church. We'll create a meal train if you let us hold your baby. (laughs) We'll spend hours and weekends to beautify the church property. Or we'll host an event that wrecks my house so people can get to know Jesus better. If you're visiting with us for the first time, I'm really glad you're here and you have come to the right place because we've got tons of people who are willing to sell themselves for things that will matter for eternity. This morning's text in the scripture speaks to the signs that people hold. It speaks to the signs that you and I hold but not the signs we're typically pleased for people to know about. This text speaks to the sellout signs we keep locked up in the basement's back closet. And we pull them out only when it's too dark to see and we think nobody's looking. Brothers and sisters, there are all kinds of people outside our church who have such sellout signs. And you are God's gift of grace to help them. And I wonder, do any of us inside this church have such sellout signs? May God help us this morning. Because our text leaves no question. Sellouts will be found out. That's right. Sellouts will be found out. The only question is whether sellouts will be found out by judgment or by mercy. This morning we're in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 21. If you have one of the church Bibles, where it's on page 282. If you don't have a Bible, you're free to grab one along with a Uh, a a handout from the, the hallway on page 282. This chapter divides into three sections. There's a, a story followed by two words from the Lord to his prophet Elijah. The story of verses one to 16 shows how King Ahab of Israel secures the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite by selling out to evil. And then the first word of the Lord to Elijah the Tishbite in verses 17 through 26 describes the sellout being found out by judgment. 
The second word of the Lord comes in verses 27 through 29, and it describes the sellout being found out by mercy. So those are my headings. Sellouts to evil, found out by judgment, and found out by mercy. Please pray with me now as we prepare to read God's word. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we stand before you, the God of all the earth who sees everything. We stand bare and exposed before you. We ask that you would please help us to understand that we cannot stay hidden from you. Open our eyes now to see your word that we might see the Lord Jesus more clearly with his arms extended wide in mercy for sinners. Please help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, in this chapter, verses 1 through 16, we see sellouts to evil. Now Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near my house. And I will give you a better vineyard for it or if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. And Ahab went into his house, vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel his wife said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And set two worthless men opposite him and let them bring a charge against him saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of his city, the elders and the leaders who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them. As it was written in the letters that she had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him. And the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned. He is dead. 
As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. For Naboth is not alive, but dead. And as soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab arose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. Now this narrative tells the story of a group of influential people who become sellouts to evil. Verse 1 says that Naboth the Jezreelite was in the un fortunate circumstance of owning a vineyard right next to King Ahab's palace. This is unfortunate because, as verse 2 declares, Ahab wants the vineyard. He even offers a fair price for the vineyard, but Naboth still denies him in verse 3. Nah, bro, this is my dad's vineyard. That's what it says in the Hebrew. Now, Naboth is not just being a miser. Numbers 36 verse 7 declares that an Israelite real estate holding may not pass from one tribe to another. Not even a marriage to someone outside the tribe can alter the deed of ownership. So in denying the king his desired next door vegetable garden, Naboth is simply obeying the law of God. Ahab goes into a funk. He's quite down about Naboth's rejection, which is repeated two more times in verses 4 and 6. Ahab falls into his bed and refuses even to eat. Now his wife Jezebel enters and she hears the story from him and she's amazed. Aren't you the king? She says. And at the end of verse 7, she simply offers to get the vineyard for him. Her sellout involves concocting a rather ingenious plan. She, she sends some letters in Ahab's name, so people think it came from the king, and she sends them to some very important people because she needs something, and she needs it kept quiet. So she contacts the kind of people who have the connections and the muscle to, you know, get things done. The ESV calls them worthless fellows, verses 10 and 13. And her plan works. The city leaders who are on her payroll, they have sold out to her by declaring a fast. The very important people work the room to get themselves next to Naboth on his left and his right. They charge Naboth which, with cursing God and the king. The crowd is whipped up. Naboth is carried outside the city and they beat him to death with stones which is the penalty in Israel's law for this for his alleged offense this trumped up charge all it takes to finish is to close the loop in communication with Jezebel who then in verse 15 goes and gets Ahab out of bed again so that in verse 16 he can arise and exert eminent domain over the fallen blasphemer's estate So much, so good. This story is beautifully told. It's tied up quite nicely. Ahab gets what he wants. Nobody really knows how. 
except that Jezebel's sellout has involved conspiring to commit murder. And Ahab's sellout involves not asking any questions in order to get what he wants. You see, there are so many problems with how this goes down. Let me list a few. Exodus 23, verse 1. So these are all from the law of God that they had at this time. Exodus 23, 1 says, You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. Leviticus 19, 16 says, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. And Deuteronomy 27, 17, get this. Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark. And all the people shall say, Amen. The story here in 1 Kings is told with such a clinical objectivity. It has no evaluative statements in here to say that there's anything wrong happening. All we have is allusions to all of these broken commandments. How does this apply? Well, friends, in a fallen world, some people will sell themselves out for evil. For example, in 2020, a mob of Hindu extremists armed with sticks and daggers surrounded Pastor Unga's house. This is in India at about 11 p.m. Unga was away at the time and his teenage son, Samaru, was home alone. The the Hindu extremists abducted both Samaru and his uncle. While his uncle later managed to escape, Samaru was dragged into the forest. Unga's pastors, other Christian families from the village, and the police searched for Samaru for weeks before finding his body deep in the jungle. That was from the Voice of the Martyrs newsletter less than four months ago. Brothers and sisters, sellouts to evil remain alive and well. Early in the pandemic, I led a daily devotional over Zoom for our members in the book of Psalms. And some of you were there in attendance one day when our meeting was visited by some worthless fellows who within the span of only a few seconds invaded our space with racial epithets and sexually explicit images. We had many children in attendance. I know we were not the only ones in the world to be assaulted like this, but I still felt personally violated for days. And I had a difficult time inviting people back to another round of devotionals, even after we had set up stronger security. Sadly, our world is filled with men and women who have sold themselves to do evil. 
Perhaps you could tell stories of your own suffering at the hands of evil. Stories of the sorts of worthless fellows who abuse the weak for their own pleasure. Stories of the abuses of power from corporations or from state and local governments. Stories of the severe threats to God's obedient children around the world. This chapter in 1 Kings portrays such sellouts to evil, but it is not yet finished with them. What does God have to say about this? Does he see it? Does he even care? Yes. In fact, he has two messages to speak about this. Two words That declare in no uncertain terms that God sees and that sellouts to evil will be found out. The first word from the Lord declares that sellouts to evil will be, point two, found out by judgment. I pick up at verse 17. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, thus says the Lord, in the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick your own blood. Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you because You have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut off from Ahab every male, bond or free, in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, for the anger to which you have provoked me, and because you have made Israel to sin and of Jezebel the Lord also said the dogs shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city the dogs shall eat and anyone of his who dies in the open country the birds of the heavens shall eat There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord, like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols, as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the people of Israel. In this section, we see the sellouts to evil, being found out by judgment. In verse 17, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah the Tishbite, and the Lord has two very straightforward points. Verse 19, thus says the Lord, 
Have you killed and confiscated? Thus says the Lord, your disgraceful doggy death for his. It's very simple. He first puts his finger on what happened. You killed and confiscated. He exposes. And then he renders his judgment. You will die by the dogs just like he did. So he evaluates. The Lord exposes and he evaluates. It's that simple. That's what God does to those who sell out to evil. This is something a four-year-old could understand. I saw you take that cookie before dinner. No dessert tonight. Like a school teacher who collects the tests and grades the tests. Like a Super Bowl where they read the scoreboard and hand out rings. He exposes and he evaluates. You, Ahab, may have thought you did this thing in secret and nobody would know. But the God of Israel sees everything. Nothing is hidden from his sight. He exposes and he evaluates and sellouts to evil will be found out by judgment. Ahab recognizes how this works. Do you see his response to Elijah's little visit in verse 20? Have you found me, my enemy? This statement doesn't appear to have the same degree of bite that Ahab has back in chapter 18 of this book, verse 17, when he meets Elijah, the same prophet, and he says, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? This time, he still sees Elijah as his enemy there in verse 20, but it's because Ahab has been found out. And Elijah affirms this later in the verse when he declares, I have found you because you have sold out to evil in the Lord's sight. In other words, he says, because you have sold yourself to do evil, I had to come and find you. In verses 21 through 24, Elijah then expands quite a bit on that word that the Lord gave him. He says that utter disaster will come. What does that mean? Just as dogs licked up Naboth's blood, so they will lick up yours. This is utterly disgraceful in, in an honor-shame culture. It doesn't get any more shameful than this. And yet for Jezebel, Elijah adds that not only her blood, but her very flesh will be added to the menu at the canine cafe. Now, there is very good news here for the people of God. This first word from the Lord assures the people of God that sellouts to evil will not last forever. <clears throat> God sees and hears. God knows. And nothing is secret. The day will certainly come when God exposes and he evaluates. All those worthless fellows we discussed before, they will come to justice. 
every act of violation against the life of God's people, it will be paid back and dealt with. That's why Elijah's word to Ahab in this text cannot be the end of the story. This book of 1st and 2nd Kings was actually written to instruct the people of Israel generations later who are rotting in exile in the land of Babylon. And what good is the end of Ahab's dynasty to them? As they're reading this, Ahab and his dynasty are already ancient history. So what good is this to those whose identities and names are being removed and replaced? Like Daniel. I mean, Belteshazzar, that's what he calls him in honor of the false god, Bel. What about those being enrolled in religious universities and forced to join chapel services in front of big golden statues like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What about those like Esther and Mordecai who are under assault by wicked statesmen like Haman? What hope is there for any of them? For justice. (laughs) What hope is there for any of us? For justice. God's people of all ages have taken comfort from the truth that sellouts to evil will be found out. The day will come when God shows up and brings an end to their evil once and for all. The Lord Jesus Christ himself will repay every injustice. Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. We might need hope like this. Now, more than ever before. A hope that Jesus sees what's happening. That Jesus hears what's happening. That Jesus knows what's happening. That Jesus will expose and Jesus will evaluate. That justice will be served and everything will be made right. And it will be repaid in the end for those who are his people. We need to know that our God considers it just that this be so. However, we must also be wary and look to ourselves, friends. Lest we compromise this message by disqualifying ourselves. You see, this message is one of good news But that good news comes with some sobering news as well. How many of God's own people through the ages have sold themselves to doing evil? And in so doing have blasphemed the name of Christ among unbelievers. There seems to me to have been an increasing number of them in recent years, though perhaps that's just because there's increasing publicity when it happens. But I can't assume anything about any of you, and you really ought not to assume anything about me. 
What are you willing to sell yourself to? Hoping that nobody will find out. Are you willing to abuse power in exchange for momentary fame? Have you sold yourself to fudge the numbers for personal financial gain? Have you sold yourself to flirtation with someone who is not your spouse in hope of something more? Have you sold yourself to sexual activity with a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Or a hookup partner on the weekend? Have you sold yourself to a little bit of porn for just that moment of pleasing sensation? Brothers and sisters, I have no word from the Lord telling me specifically if any of you are living a secret life sold out to evil. But if you are, we are all here as God's gift of grace to help you come clean today. Because sellouts will be found out by judgment. It's better for that to happen now than later. Because then you just might also be found out by mercy. This is point number three. I conclude with verses 27 through 29. And when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth And went about dejectedly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying. Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me. I will not bring the disaster in his days. But in his son's days. I will bring the disaster upon his house. The final section of this chapter holds out the possibility that sellouts to evil could themselves be found out by mercy. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse 27, Ahab makes the shocking move of expressing some remorse. Now, there's no recorded confession of sin. There is no record that he returned the vineyard to Naboth's tribe or that he paid reparations to the widow. All we know from verse 27 is that he tore his clothes. He clothed himself in some rough fabrics. He fasted. He laid down and he went about dejectedly. That's all we know. Other than it's clearly not just a show because the God who sees everything sees in verse 29 that Ahab has, quote, humbled himself. 
And so the second word of the Lord comes to Elijah, verse 28. And God says, would you look at that? (laughs) Have you seen what he's done? You know what? I'm going to show him some mercy. He's not going to have to see this disaster. I'll be patient and I'll wait to bring it on his sons. Such remorse from Ahab is astounding and such mercy from God is astounding. But keep it in perspective. This mercy means that Ahab won't have to watch when his heir gets shot in the back by a messianic thug. It means Ahab won't have to watch when his dearly beloved wife gets chucked out a window by her servants such that she splatters against the wall of the tower And she either gets trampled by horses or driven over by chariot wheels, depending on your translation, until the dogs come and eat every part of her except her hands and her feet and her skull. This also means that Ahab won't be there to see his other 70 sons have their heads removed from their bodies and shipped first class to the rebel leader in order to preserve the capital city from annihilation. Such mercy, right? Ahab still dies and all these things still happen. So what's the point? If God is willing to spare the worst sellout of a king Israel ever had from the worst of his disgrace because he shows a little remorse, how much more would God be willing to spare from hell those who turn away from their sin and entrust themselves to this most merciful God. Ahab may have been the worst king Israel ever had, but he was not the worst sinner to ever grace the pages of Scripture. No, that honor belongs to the Apostle Paul, the one who was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent of Christ. This very Paul, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, declares himself to have been the worst sinner in the history of the world. You see, here's a guy who didn't kill Christians secretly like Ahab did. No, he was loud and proud when he did it in public. And here's how he describes himself in 1 Timothy 1, verses 15 and 16. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I, Paul, received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost... Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Friends, if God the Father can have mercy on Ahab 
He'll have mercy on anyone who asks. But even better, if Jesus, who died and rose again, can save Paul, the worst sinner ever, then he has enough patience to rescue and restore any secret sellouts who humble themselves and seek him for eternal life. Maybe you're not a Christian yet. Or maybe you've thought of yourself as a Christian for years, but your lifestyle reveals that you still need to be converted. Either way, may the mercy of Jesus Christ find you and me before we must be found out by his judgment. Because sellouts will be found out either by judgment or by mercy. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you would please have mercy on us. Rescue us. Grant us the grace of repentance that we would come clean and confess and acknowledge what we have done, get whatever help we need to turn away from it before it is too late. And Lord, thank you for sending Jesus. We praise you for your perfect patience that no one is too far gone yet, that you are just waiting for us to humble ourselves, that we might turn to you and be saved. Today and every day, Help us, Lord, I pray that if anyone is feeling ashamed or embarrassed, that you would please help them to overcome that by the assurance of judgment, that they might fear you and come clean. And we trust you to be true to your promise to grant us mercy and life in Jesus, who is our only hope. In his name we pray. Amen.